Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in a series called Peace in an Anxious World and with Anxiety Sometimes Comes with Loneliness when it shuts you down, but it doesn't have to. Pastor Sean says loneliness is a choice. So what if instead you choose to do life with others in community? It will change your perspective and lead you closer to peace. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. Today is part two of the message called Anxious and Alone. Pastor Sean is teaching from John 14 and 1 John chapter 4. It's time for Reaching for Real Life sometimes use the word fellowship. And, you know, that word's thrown around. I remember we used to laugh. All the, Every publication we did in youth ministry when I was a youth pastor had fun, food, and fellowship. And it's like, why? It's a winning combination. Don't change it. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It was kind of broke. Fellowship is something much deeper. It's from the Greek word koinonia. It's this shared sense of belonging and connection. We are a part of something. We are a part of one another. That's the fellowship. We are connected. We are committed to one another. Fellowship's a deep word. It describes two things, commitment and unity. It's a description of commitment. I'm committed to you. You're committed to me. And unity. We're walking the same direction, following the same Savior. That's the idea. And from that, those two words, we get community. That's what the community is all about. And knowing that God created us for this, it's not so surprising when we see that the lack of community The isolation is a significant reason for the increase in anxiety in our culture. And we have been called to do something about that. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. One of the best ways to say no to anxiety is to say yes to community. And we talked a couple weeks ago about some of the different factors that can contribute to anxiety. And again, if you have struggled with anxiety, I encourage you to go back and listen to the previous messages at reallife.org or on the app because there's some great resources that will help you and just some some information that I I know for a lot of people, I've gotten a lot of feedback on this, that there's a lot of people who struggle with anxiety and have felt they have to do that alone. The church isn't a safe place to talk about that because I'll be considered unspiritual. Yeah, well, we just blew that out of the water. So I don't say that this is an exhaustive thing, but I, I just, I really believe one of the best ways to say no to anxiety is to say yes to community. See, I believe that healthy community is one of the best things we can do to go against the grain of an anxious world. And I have watched healthy community bring life to people. I've watched people who struggled with issues for years come become a part of a healthy community, a healthy small group community where they're known and they begin to feel safe and they can share what's in their heart and they know they're accepted. I've watched that work almost like magic. And I, I know I'm a pastor. I shouldn't use that word. But I did. You know what I mean. It's just the power of the Spirit that is released in healthy biblical community is amazing and transformative. And I want every believer to experience that. Now, I want to acknowledge there's healthy community, then there's not healthy community or even toxic community. Not any set of relationships are life-giving. And you know the difference. And I hope you know that there are just some times when certain relationships that are just toxic and are not life-giving and are dragging you to places you don't need to go that you may have to separate yourself. 
you may have to step, step back and say, okay, I can't be a part of that. I can't be a part of that. But what I'm talking about is a healthy, life-giving community. People who can, you can really say, it, it kind of typifies brothers dwelling together in unity. See, there's some key things that happen in healthy community. First thing, healthy community makes the burden lighter. Healthy community makes the burden lighter. We all have burdens. It's just a part of life. It's a part of life. We all have burdens, and healthy community makes the burdens seem lighter. That's what happened to us when we weren't alone anymore in those early days, and we were feeling isolated, alone, and even anxious over things. All of a sudden, when we were in community, and people who who loved us and cared about us, and just came around, and we began to walk together, it changed everything. The burdens were still there, and they were still real. But they just didn't seem nearly is heavy. They didn't seem like they were going to overwhelm us. Do you know this is a part of walking in Christian community? Galatians 6.2 says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Love one another as I loved you. Carry each other's burdens. And I know sometimes we can get very much, we were raised in a, in a world, in a situation where it's like supposed to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't need anybody carrying my burdens. I'll carry my own burdens. And there is that sense. We, we understand, you know, we're, we're all supposed to work. We're all supposed to carry our, our weights. You know, we're supposed to, each one, um, earn the bread that we eat with the work of our hands. It's a biblical idea, and that's, ver- that's very right. But the fact is, we all struggle with burdens, and there is such a powerful effect when we are able to share in community with other people. And what I'm talking about is, is people who will listen to you. People who listen to you. Do you understand how important that is? I mean, I know we're told often how much we need to listen to others. It's really true. Because there's something that happens when you're going through something and all of a sudden someone who is with you, they're committed to you, and they just listen to you. And you can share your heart. And that moment when you begin to get the sense that they understand, Maybe not even fully. Maybe they can't fully relate, but, but they, they, they feel what you're conveying and they're with you on it. That's a very powerful moment in a relationship and in an exchange. We need people who listen. We need people who care. The beauty of community, a healthy community, is you get a group of people who begin to care for you. It's one of the things we see in our community groups and they do such a great job just caring for one another. Because we all walk through stuff. You know, and, and in a setting like this, this is a great setting for, for teaching, for casting vision, for worshiping together. This is a great setting for, for those kind of things. But when it comes to actually sharing of life, it's not, it's not designed for that. No, that happens in smaller settings. That's why we have structured our whole church around community groups where everybody is known and where they can actually share their story, and listen to others share their story, and care for one another. Not just with words, but actually care. And the third thing, they listen, they care, and and they help. They help. Most of the pastoral care that happens through this fellowship happens in community groups. People caring for one another, which is the way it's supposed to happen. That's the body of Christ, how it's supposed to work. Just caring for one another. 
can be simple things. Hey, I'm, I'm out of work. And someone goes, well, I've got a friend who owns a company and they need somebody. See, they just help. Or, or I've got this appointment and I need someone to watch the kids. Well, I can come over and watch the kids. We're not alone anymore. You know, we have people who come to our church and legitimate, they legitimately have needs. We have real-life Christian assistants where we can help with food and where we can help with clothes and things like that. But there will be people coming and they, they need money. And they'll come to the church office, talk to one of the pastors. And one of the, the things that I've shared with the staff that we have to understand as, as hard as it is that someone is, is maybe financially in a desperate strait like that, their biggest need is not financial. The biggest problem being presented here is not the financial need for rent or for f- food or whatever it is. The biggest red flag here is that someone is having to go to total strangers to get help for their basic needs. They have no one in their world who they're walking with, who loves them, who cares for them, who can help them. How isolated do you have to be from family, from community, from, from just relationships to where you're now reduced to going to total strangers? And I, I'm, that's why we have real-life Christian assistants. We actually help people all the time in that situation. But we better be aware the biggest need here is, one, relationship with our Heavenly Father, but, two, a relationship with a body of believers who can love and care for them, and who they can now learn to love and care for one another. That's a powerful understanding. The biggest problem is not the financial need or the resources. The biggest problem is they're alone. And we are custom-made to help minister to that need, if they'll let us. Because that's what the church is all about. And I want to suggest, I don't care who you are, you may think, well, that's great for those who have a need, but I don't need that. Um, yeah, that's called delusion. There's a great example in Exodus chapter 18. Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, the peace priest of Midian, comes to visit Moses. And the scripture tells us that while he's there, Moses goes and does his regular daily thing. He took his seat to serve as judge for the people. They stood around him from morning till evening. His father-in-law saw what he was doing. He said, what is this you're doing? Why are you doing this? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around from morning to evening kind of waiting? Moses answered him, well, people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me, I, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Look at what his father-in-law says. Moses' father replied, what you're doing is not good. What you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Wait a minute, let me read that again. You cannot handle it alone. Who's he talking to? Yeah, Moses. You know Red Sea, Moses. Ten Commandments, Moses. Water from a rock, Moses. Let my people go, Moses. If Moses can't handle it alone, why do you think you can? Why do I think I can? That was great wisdom from someone in his community who cared enough to say something. Moses, what you're doing is nuts. He told him. He says, here's what you need to do. He gave him some, he gave him some good advice. He said, teach all the people God's laws. You need to be more intentional about spreading this, this knowledge, this understanding that God's given you. And then he said, select capable and upright men from among the people to serve as judges. This was the beginning of a system that would serve Israel for years. Bring only the most difficult cases to you. So if they can't handle it, then those, the judges, will bring those to you. 
And then look what he says, Exodus 18.22. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. Some of you need to have your load made lighter because there's nobody sharing it with you. That happens in healthy community. Even Moses couldn't bear his burdens alone. And that's why so many people are caught up in anxiety and unrest and even go over into depression. I think so much of that can be helped by community. One of the best ways to say no to anxiety is to say yes to community. And let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported radio ministry of River City Community Church in this message called Anxious and Alone. The series is called Peace in an Anxious World, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue to help others just like you. You can find that Give tab at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for, and it's what we're all about. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azar, and we believe that we were made to live a life full of meaning and passion that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life really is. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts your home, work, and social world. That's why River City has a relaxed, casual feel where we enjoy practical teaching, inspirational music, and age-appropriate discovery for the whole family. And beginning January 6th, we're starting a brand new Monday night service at 7 p.m. Everything you enjoy about Sundays is coming to Monday. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Rotama Park. Our service times are Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 and now Mondays at 7 p.m. River City is a church for real life. Our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out everything you need to know, stop by our website at reallife.org. We hope to see you on the road to real life. And now the conclusion to the message, Anxious and Alone. This is Reaching for Real Life. Now that story also illustrates a, a kind of a, a second benefit of healthy community. Not only does it lighten the load, but healthy community balances my perspective. Moses needed his perspective balanced. He wasn't seeing clearly. And you know, isolation always distorts my perspective. It really does. Isolation distorts my perspective. Ephesians 4.15 gives us a beautiful benefit of the body of Christ. It's talking about immaturity, and then he says, instead of that, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. How's that happen? Speaking the truth in love. What a gift that is. What an amazing gift of healthy community, because it balances my perspective. And I want to just say to you, You and I need to be reminded of the truth. We do. We live in a world that has an aversion to truth. And we need to be reminded of the truth regularly. We are bombarded by negative and distorted news, messages and perspectives every day that do not align with reality or truth. I need to be reminded of the truth. And in healthy community, I kind of unplug and I'm reminded of what is true. And, you know, man, we live in a world that doesn't even know what truth is. When I hear someone say the phrase, well, that's true for you, but that's not true for me, I'm like, okay. Let's get a dictionary. Let's look up true. See, you don't know what the word truth means. Truth has nothing to do with my opinion or your opinion. See, truth exists regardless of our opinions. That's what truth is. That's what truth means. 
You can say, you can say that's your opinion, that's my opinion, fine, say that. Don't say, that's your truth, that's my truth, because that's just dumb. Okay, and I don't want you to be dumb. I want to help you. I'm serving you. Okay. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> but it's true. Truth exists, and healthy community helps me just kind of shake off some, all of the ridiculousness that is out there and be reconnected to the truth. And here's a second really important point. Um, and I, I, wanna, I want you to really hear this. Some of us are more motivated than others. You know, Myers-Briggs temperament sorter says there are people who are motivated and make decisions based largely on feelings, and then there are people who are, who are motivated and make decisions more, more based on thought. Okay, there's thinkers, feelers, and that, there's no negative on either one. Thinkers feel and feelers think, but it's just your primary motivation is what they're talking about. I want to I talk to the, all of us who kind of have live in a world that has told us our feelings are king. And I just want to say to you, your feelings, my feelings, are real. But they are not always accurate. And for some of you, that's, that's the truth you need to grab onto today. My feelings are real. They are. They are what they are. I feel sad. I feel hurt. I feel like they're, they have this thing against me. I feel whatever. I feel. And those are real. But they're not always accurate, and we need to know that. And that's one of the benefits of healthy community. Because if I can, by myself, I can get lost, and I can start just kind of have what the Scripture calls vain imaginations. I can start just thinking up things, and I can build cases in my mind and just have someone else to kind of temper that, to kind of say, well, wait a minute, I, I understand that's how you feel, but you realize it could be one of these three things too. And all of a sudden, that objective perspective such a gift. Brings me back. Also, it's not just my perspective of things, but my perspective of myself. My perspective of myself. This is a key idea because healthy community is a protection from self-deception. And I'm sorry, every one of us can be, can be caught up in self-deception where you're kidding yourself. When you're isolated and alone, one of the biggest things that happens, and if you, if you, maybe you've been there, maybe you caught that, and maybe you discovered that. Maybe you know someone who's isolated and alone. You've watched it happen to them. Watched self-deception begin to happen and they begin to believe things that just aren't true because there's nobody around to, to remind them and say, well, that's not necessarily true or remember this. And sometimes we just need people who we love. And this is the key. This is such a key. Speaking the truth in love. These are people who are committed to me. These are people who love me and they will hold up a mirror. And they know me enough to tell me the truth. I know you think this is always what happens, but remember two weeks ago you were sharing this story, remember that? And hold up a mirror. And sometimes we get caught up in self-deception. You know, you sit and say, you know, I'm just so generous, I'm always giving everything away, and people look at it like, what? (laughs) Who are you talking about? (laughs) You're the cheapest son of a gun I know, come on. (laughs) You just, and, and here's the key, it's people who love me, people who I know aren't out to get me, they're not out to tear me down, they're not out to put me in my place, they love me. They're committed to me. They're committed to my growth. They're committed to helping me become who God created for me to be. That's the key. See, healthy community balances my perspective. And that's why one of the best ways to say no to anxiety is to say yes to community. Last thing, healthy community confirms that I am loved. And we need to be reminded of this because we live in a world full of conditional love. And healthy community, biblical community, when brothers dwell in unity, Confirms that I am loved. 
Because look what Jesus said about this community. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. How did he love us? By giving his life. Healthy community, we love each other enough to sacrifice for one another, to speak the truth to one another, to care for one another. Knowing that I am loved and accepted is a powerful source of peace. We talked about this a little bit last week, how one of the things that is so unsettling and so much anxiety can be caused and worked up is worrying about how other people feel about us. What do they think of me? What, are they judging me? What, what's happening in their mind towards me? And you know what happens when you're in a community where you're loved? You stop worrying about what those others think of you. It's like you become secure. When you begin to understand God loves me, he's the creator of all things, he gave his life for me, and he loves me. And you see that love mirrored and reflected in a group of Christ followers who are committed to you. And you, what happens is you become confident that you are loved. And now I'm not walking through life desperately needing somebody to love me and jumping through hoops to her, whoever will show me some morsels or scraps of love because I'm loved. One of the most powerful parts of healthy community. See, peace with God and peace with men is just one of the core things. It's what our salvation is all about. Remember when Paul writes and says grace and peace? Well, I've told you before, you know, uh, peace is the destination. Grace is how we get there. His grace is extended to us so we can have peace with God and peace with one another. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as, Christ, just as in Christ God forgave you. That's how we're supposed to live. And I, I want to just address, I'm, I'm sorry, I want to address this idea, forgiving each other. Because a lot, a lot of times, and if you're here, and, and maybe there's someone who you have unforgiveness towards, that can be a real source of anxiety. It can be a source of separation. It's fascinating. Many people resist healthy community in church because they've been hurt in the past. As a pastor, I've heard a number of people say, oh, I, I want to come to the church. I, I, I like the worship and I like the, you know, the messages and stuff, but I don't want to really get involved because I don't want to know what goes on behind the scenes. You know, because that's when people are people and all that. And one, I understand there've been people who've been hurt in the church. I, I, I'm sorry for that and I understand that. But that is a formula for isolation. That is a formula, actually, for, for really missing out on the power of the gospel. Because it is in that connection with one another that we find life. So if you are staying away from community, or maybe it's a couple relationships or family because of unforgiveness, I want to encourage you, um, I want to f- encourage you to forgive and be set free. Maybe you're the one who needs to be forgiven, and you know it. Seek out forgiveness. Forgive. The, you have to understand, a, the key to forgiveness, if, if you've got some unforgiveness and there's someone who it's hard for you to forgive, the key is faith. Because you have to trust that God is able to make things right even when that other person didn't. I've shared with you before, God spoke to me on forgiveness through Paul's letter to Philemon. The slave Onesimus had run away become a Christian. And Paul was sending him back to Philemon because these are Christian brothers now. And he wants them to reconcile. And Paul wants him to receive him, not as a slave, but as a brother. And what he says to Philemon, he says, if he owes you anything, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to Philemon, a Christian brother, says, if he owes you anything, charge it to my account, I'll repay it. And I remember when I was reading that, and God started speaking to me because I had some unforgiveness towards my own father. 
And God said, I want you to let him go. I want you to release it. I want you to charge it to my account. And those wo- just those words, thinking about God. Like, God, well, you don't have an account. I owe you. I can't, you have no account. And I remember the Lord said, no, no, I'm serious about this. I want you to understand anything you think he owed you. Because isn't that what unforgiveness is? It's a debt. There's a debt that has to be paid. It has to be made right. And they haven't paid the debt. And God said, he's just a man who failed. And I want you to forgive him. Just like you at times need forgiveness. I want you to forgive him. And anything you think he owed you, anything you think a father should have done that he didn't do, he said, I want you to know I'm your father. And I can restore. I can pay that back more than you ever could. I can care more than he ever could. I can meet your needs. And I had a faith decision to make. Do I believe that that debt that I thought I was owed could be totally more than covered by my heavenly father so that I could release my earthly father in forgiveness? And and the answer is yes, I did believe it. And it made a world of difference. Not only was he set free, I was set free. So some of you are avoiding community just simply because of unforgiveness. I want to challenge you. Trust God enough to forgive. Whatever you think you're owed, he is able to restore 10 times over. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series, Peace in an Anxious World, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email that this program blessed you, or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Please find the Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. That's Reaching for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.